Chapter 8 Other Words for Being Filled with the Spirit Let's glance at some other expressions used in the New Testament by the Holy Spirit when speaking of being Spirit-filled, so we can see how full the New Testament is of this blessing, and so we may better understand what it is and how it is obtained. Baptized with the Holy Spirit Scripture refers to it as being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Scripture, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Acts 1, 5. For other examples of the same expression, see Acts 11, 16, Matthew 3, 11, Mark 1, 8, Luke 3, 16, and John 1, 33. Though baptized and filled are sometimes convertible terms, it's important to note that they're not always so. The promise in Acts 1, 5, you will be baptized, was fulfilled in Acts 2, 4, and they were all filled, where filled is used for baptized. In Acts 4, 8, we read, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, and in verse 31, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, where the word baptized could not be used instead of the word filled. The difference is this. The baptism is received only once. It's like the initiatory rite to the life of Pentecostal service and fullness and victory. Life begins at the cross, but service begins at Pentecost. If there has been no baptism, there has been no Pentecost, and if there's no Pentecost, there's no service worth the name. Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high, said the Master, Luke 24, 49. Wait for what the Father had promised, Acts 1, 4. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, Acts 1, 5. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, Acts 1, 8. We see that in compliance with the commands of their Master, these men did not attempt service of any kind until the day of Pentecost had come. Acts 2, 1. Theirs not to make reply, theirs not to reason why. Their business was simply to obey. With the promised baptism, they entered into a new phase of life, experience, and service, and this baptism did not need to be repeated. But this is not the case with the filling. Peter was filled in Acts 2, 4, and again in Acts 4, 31. The filling may be, and ought to be, repeated over and over again. The baptism need be only once. In support of this, note how frequently the word filled is used in Acts and the epistles compared with the word baptized. The baptism which we are considering here must not be confused with the baptism in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Paul is speaking there of every believer having been brought to life from the dead by the work of the Holy Spirit and thus made a member of Christ's mystical body. This is a Pauline way of stating the being born again of John 3, 7. It was to those who already had been baptized into one body that Christ gave the promise, You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, 5. In view, then, of this word of Christ, you will be baptized, and of the word of John the Baptist in John 1, 29-33, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, 
This is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. The same promise is also recorded by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It surely cannot be unscriptural for a believer to pray, Lord Jesus, baptize me with the Holy Spirit, even if it is painfully obvious that this word has not yet been fulfilled in his experience, even if for him the day of Pentecost has not yet fully come. Why should this be regarded as unscriptural? When in view of the word, be filled with the Spirit, the prayer, Lord, fill me with the Spirit, is considered to be in accord with Scripture. Surely the one prayer in its proper place is as scriptural as the other. There are so many who know Christ as their sin bearer who have no experiential acquaintance with him as the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. We cannot miss the point that it would be grieving to the Holy One that such people would cry for the promised baptism. But then, when it's been received, let's keep in mind the difference already pointed out between baptized and filled. Let's remember that once the day of Pentecost had come, and a person has been baptized with the Spirit, he must not continue praying for the baptism, for that cannot be repeated, whereas he may ask and obtain a fresh filling, a refilling with the Holy Spirit every day of his life. Rivers of Living Water Scripture He who believes in me, as the Scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. John 7, 38-39 One may ask what it is to be filled with the Spirit. The teacher himself gives the answer. It is to have rivers of living water flowing from one's soul. Notice the universality of the promise. He who believes in me. No believer, even the weakest or obscurest, is outside of its magnificent sweep unless by his unbelief he puts himself there. This is not a promise for the spiritual aristocracy of the church, as some maintain with more heat than sense. This has nothing to do with whittling away the vast godlike promises of the divine word until they come within the cramped limits of our poverty stricken experience and let's earnestly set to work to bring our experience in line with God's promises. This promise is for you. Then has it been verified in your life and experience? If not, why not? Isn't there a cause? But note more closely its hugeness, its godlike vastness. Rivers, not a trickle or a babbling brook, by its babbling proclaiming its shallowness, or a stream or a river, but rivers. What divine extravagance! It is the Brisbane, the Clarence, the Hawkesbury, the Murray, the Murrumbidgee, the Tamar, and the Derwent rivers, all rolled into one. Rivers! By the widest, wildest stretch of the imagination, could it be said of you that rivers of living water are flowing from you? Flowing, mind you, flowing! Notice the freshness, the freedom, and the spontaneity of the service. There is no force pump involved in the flowing of the rivers, none of the hard labor of the soul in prison. When the rivers begin to flow, the worker may sell his force pump. His prayer has been answered. Scripture, Bring my soul out of prison. Psalm 142, 7. It's worth noting the gradualness in the book of John. In John 3, 7, we have life in its beginnings, the new birth called born again. In John 4.14, we have abundant life, a well of water springing up. 
The secret of the perpetual springing up is in the words, Whoever drinks, not takes one drink, but drinks and drinks and keeps on drinking. It is in the habit of drinking that someone never thirsts. For how can a man's soul be dry and thirsty with a well of water in it? Many people appear only to be reading the third chapter of John. They have life, but it is not strong and vigorous as is clearly presented in the fourth chapter. The difference between the two experiences is well illustrated in the case of Hagar in Genesis. Here Abraham gave Hagar a skin of water and sent her away with her child. As she wandered in the wilderness, the water in the skin was used up, and she had nothing left for her and her child. Genesis 21, 14-15. She cried out to God, and in verse 19 we read, God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin with water. There are bottle Christians, and there are well Christians. Wandering in the wilderness with an empty bottle and a dying child is a painful experience. It is sad that there are so many familiar with the pain, when all the time God wants us to be independent of any bottle, to be abundantly satisfied with a well of water within us, fed from the hills of God. He wants us to be independent of everything but Himself. The well is in every Christian, though it is not springing up in every person who has it. The very well by which Jesus once sat beside, weary with His long journey, has no thirsty men or women coming to it with their empty pitchers today, for the well is dry. How? Why? Because so much rubbish has fallen in that the well is choked. Clear out the well, and the water will spring up again as it did in Christ's day. This is how it is with so many children of God. The water is within them, the well is there, but it's choked. The water is not springing up, and so they are reduced to dependence on a bottle. Oh, to have anointed eyes in our heads to see the rubbish, and for grace in our hearts to deal with it, to judge it, and to cast it out. Then we would soon have eyes to see the well of water. May He break every bottle and open every eye to see the well. Now, let's contrast the well of the fourth chapter of John with the rivers of the seventh chapter. The well is for the supply of all possible local needs. But since the Christianity of Jesus is essentially an unselfish thing, He has made abundant provision for the supply of surrounding needs. Out of the one who has the well, the one who is abundantly satisfied with Christ, will flow rivers of living water, John 7.38, bearing life, satisfaction, and gladness into the abounding death, destitution, and dreariness that exist all around us. For everything will live where the river goes. Ezekiel 47, 9. Does your church, your neighborhood, feel the life-giving, fruitful, refreshing influences of your presence? They most certainly will if John 7, 38 is your experience. In other words, if you have been filled with the Spirit. But remember, we must go through the experience in the fourth chapter of John to get into the seventh. In John 3, we have the indwelling. In John 4, the infilling and in John 7, the overflowing. The Promise of the Father Baptism with the Holy Spirit is referred to as the promise of the Father. Scripture, wait for what the Father had promised, Acts 1, 4. For more scripture about this promise, see also Acts 2, 33, 39, Galatians 3, 14, Luke 24, 49.
There are many promises in the divine word given us by the Father, but there is only one promise spoken of as the promise, which gives it a preeminence among all the other precious and magnificent promises. 2 Peter 1 4. We can discover what that promise was by comparing Acts 1 4, wait for what the Father had promised, with Acts 1 5, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and Acts 2 4, they were all filled. To whom does the promise of the Father belong? Surely it belongs to all the Father's children without favor or distinction. Since then, the promise is for you. The question for you to settle is Have you received the promise? A promise that is never made use of is like a check never cashed, and is of little use to the one who gets it. Have you cashed the check? If not, why not? The fault is with the child and not with the father. Pouring forth. The Bible calls the filling a pouring out of the Spirit. Scripture, I will pour forth of my Spirit on all mankind. Acts 2.17. See also Acts 2.18, Joel 2.28-29, Isaiah 44.3, Acts 2.33, Acts 10.45. From this expression we can learn even more clearly the copious nature of the blessing. The gift. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is a gift. Scripture, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.38. See also Acts 8.20, Acts 10.45, Acts 11.17. From this expression, we can learn the freeness of the blessing. In this connection, think carefully about the how much more Scripture talks about. Scripture, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Luke 11.13 Receiving Being filled with the Holy Spirit involves receiving. Scripture And they received the Holy Spirit. Acts 8.17 You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Acts 1.8 did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Acts 19, 2. Other passages that talk about receiving the Spirit include Acts 8, 15, John 20, 22, Galatians 3, 14. Floods of light will shine on this subject if we clearly grasp the full force of this expression, receive. Receiving correlates with the gift. A gift will not benefit someone until it is received. It is here at the receiving that we have come short. God has not failed in His giving, but we have failed in our taking, in our receiving. Receiving is a distinct, definite act on our part. Have we received? If not, why not? God is giving. Falling on. Another expression for being filled with the Spirit is that He falls on us. For He had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts 8.16. See also Acts 10.44, Acts 11.15. From this expression, we can understand the suddenness with which the blessing sometimes comes, and comes consciously too. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. Acts 2.2. Coming. The filling of the Holy Spirit might be described as coming on someone. The Holy Spirit came on them. Acts 19.6. 
See also Acts 1, 8, John 16, 7 to 8, 13. From this expression, we can learn about the personality of the Holy Spirit. Christ Jesus came into the world, 1 Timothy 1, 15, and the Holy Spirit came on them are two parallel expressions. If it's clear here that Christ is a person, why should the Holy Spirit be a mere influence? Sealed. Another way Scripture refers to the filling of the Spirit is as being sealed. You were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians 1 13. See also 2 Corinthians 1 22. This sealing in Ephesians 1 13 is the receiving mentioned in Acts 19 2 and the coming on them of Acts 19 6. Here in this epistle, Paul evidently refers to the incident relayed in Acts 19, 1-7. In Ephesians 1, 13, we read, In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Here we see the successive stages through which the Ephesians passed in their spiritual history. 1. There was a time when they had not heard the gospel, they were living in the darkness of heathenism. 2. Then came the day when they heard the word. 3. Then they believed. 4. After this they were sealed. This is a very distinct and definite blessing for the Ephesians, as definite as their salvation when they believed. And yet, in the face of this, some will say that there is no such thing as a Christian receiving a new distinct blessing after his conversion. If these Ephesians had this experience, why can't believers still have this today? When a Christian is sealed by the Holy Spirit, sealed as the property of his Master, there will be no need to ask whose image and superscription is this upon the sealed one. It is the King's, of course. Anyone can see the image. Of what use is a seal if it can't be seen? Is the King's image visibly, permanently stamped upon us? It is on every spirit-filled, sealed believer.